You are listening to a podcast of Ice and Fire, episode number 260 for the week of April 11th, 2021. Welcome back, listeners, to the longest-running podcast dedicated to the epic glory of George R.R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire. As always, this is Ashley, this is me, and this is Kyle. And uh, we are missing Mimi tonight, but the three of us will carry on. We're going to be continuing our reread of, uh, oh my gosh, what are we, every time, I feel like every episode since we started this, I can't remember what we call it. We call it uh, a dance with crows, a feast. <laughs> I think it was a feast of dragons. A feast for dragons, yeah. A feast for dragons, yes. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome, awesome. But before we get to that, do we have any news to cover? Is there any news in the Song of Ice and Fire world? I feel like there's a lot. I've just been kind of avoiding it. (laughs) Ooh, about the books or... No, not... Well, the books are just, like, never going to come. I've given up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's news right there. Ashley has given up. (laughs) You've reached the Zen state. Yeah. I'm I'm in the acceptance state. (laughs) (laughs) um so what's the news ashley uh well i haven't like there's so much clickbait out there that i just kind of avoid a lot of it but it just sounds like george is working on a whole pile of new stuff and then hbo announces something new every week and then unannounces it the week after and then they announce it again i don't know what's going on with there's like a billion series that they want to make and then they change their mind and then they change their mind again so there's that (laughs) Yeah, I heard something about George R. R. Martin signing some deals. So let's see. I'm going to click on the Hollywood Reporter here, and the headline is, George R. R. Martin signs massive five-year overall deal with HBO. So here we go. So that's not Song of Ice and Fire specific, obviously. They'll probably be making a whole bunch of other stuff, because he's got a million short stories and things. But uh, Interesting. So let's see. Below are all the Thrones TV projects in the works. House of Dr- House of the Dragon, set 300 years before the events in Game of Thrones, tells the story of House Targaryen. Um, in development, Nymeria project revolves around the warrior queen Nymeria. The Sea Snake, a working title of nine voyages. This is from the Rome creator. Um, I don't know what that's about. Flea Flea Bottom. This one sounds the worst out of all of them. (laughs) (laughs) This project is set in the notorious King's Landing slum Flea Bottom. (laughs) Sounds like a fan parody or something. Yeah, what's that? I hadn't heard about that one. I heard about the Nymeria. That's from the April Fool's one. (laughs) (laughs) No. The maze of... I'll finish the description. The maze of tight streets in the capital city where characters like Davos Seaworth and Gendry Baratheon were born. One imagines this having a bit of a Peaky Blinders and Westeros vibe, something exploring the lives of everyday citizens and the criminal underworld, rather than focusing on powerful lords and ladies. That one sounds like it's going to be like Rome. (laughs) Oh, okay. It's just, you know, kind of like seeing what the life is for the not-so-nobles. It's just going to be some guy sitting on a stoop with, like, dirty feet. Eating out of and a, and, and then, like, ten episodes in, there's going to be a cameo from, like, someone from House Lannister, and you're going to see them run ride by, and, 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 and that's going to be it. But they're going to hype that episode for, like, weeks. Uh, that's what that's going to be. You find out the guy is just the person who spits on Cersei during the walk <laughs> of the climax of the show. Oh, then there's the Duncan Egg Project. 
Hmm. We all know what that's on. And then an animated drama series. There's an anime? Okay. No I details yet. Animated adventure. I'd be down for like a animated action. Yeah, I think so. That could be good. I mean, I, I think initially, right when Game of Thrones ended, I wasn't really interested in these other works. I kind of burned out. But now I think it could be good. Like we've got different people working on it, new people that are excited to work on it. I'm open, though, to re- watching and reviewing them. Yeah, I'd be excited I, for a Duncan Egg. I think that would really work well since it's a, more of an episodic type of story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that could be neat. One book season, three. At least a three-season show. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I would want something that George hasn't written, like whatever this animated thing is. like Something in the world, uh, with a part of the world that we haven't touched on, so they can just do whatever they want and... Yeah, that, that feels like what those first two would be. Like, Nymeria is kind of just like an outline. We don't have, like, lots of details, just kind of an idea of where she goes. And, uh, yeah, the slums one would just be completely open to open concept. They could do whatever. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. The sea snake. I don't know what this is about. Princess. I don't know. As Maybe long we'll as they come the out, uh, something needs to come out before Comic-Con 2022, so then we can attend and review it. At 2022, when, <laughs> when it's in person. 2021 has uh, actually been announced that it's going to be online again. Comic-Con at home. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, when, when more details come out, I'll start doing my research and criticizing everything. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you didn't like the casting for one of them or something. Or they came up, you were like, I don't well, like the Yeah, casting. the Dance of Dragons. Yeah. I, I just, you know. His hair is not black or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, but we, 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 need, we need to get our like our dragon box played... or whatever, like whatever's the, the equivalent marketing. We better get that this time. <laughs> you know we're not. You know they don't care about us. <laughs> uh, but right. damn straight... I like the guy who played Doctor Who, but I, I just don't know if I can see him in that role. But I'll 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 hold off and wait and see how he does it. I mean, we've been surprised before, so. The guy who played Doctor Who. Oh, what's his name? Oh, Matt, Matt Smith. Oh, and from The Crown and Doctor yeah. Who. Okay, he's in uh, he's in one of the Game of Thrones spinoffs. Yeah, he's um the, the rogue guy, the uh, the prince that's. Oh, he was it, he, he was cast in House of the Dragon. Like, yeah, the, like the was it Daemon or what was his name? Prince, prince Daemon yeah. is the younger brother to King Viserys. And his yeah, heir to the, the rogue oh. prince, yeah, the, the, the character that George wanted people to like, but many people did not, right? <laughs> Some people did, though. Like, I think uh, I liked them in the the first. What was it? The princess, the, the first short story. I liked yeah. him, and then you read, read him in the the second story, and and you found out more about what he's actually like, and, you, and you're like, oh no, no, thank you. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think that's the trend <laughs> of it. <laughs> nice. All right. Any other news that we know of? I feel like nope. not so much, right? Yeah. I know, I'm just going to Google a Song of Ice and Fire news. Oh, we have a release date for Winds of Winter. Oh, wait, no, that's a fake headline. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, I did hear something. Uh, the, Expanse, the Expanse authors will not finish A Song of Ice and Fire if George doesn't. <laughs> Why would they even be asked? <laughs> <laughs> I remember that popping up because I follow a bunch of Expanse stuff because I love that show. And I remember that popping up on my feed a bunch. And then when I just Googled Song of Ice and Fire news, that was one of the main headlines. There you go. Dive into the longest running uh, reread. All right. 
Well, uh, uh, Amin, you should you should give us the recap on this one, right? Sure. Are we starting? It's Danny first, actually, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, the first chapter is going to be chapter three of uh, Dance with Dragons, which is uh, the first, I believe, Daenerys chapter of the book. Yeah, this one is kind of dealing with a lot of the aftermath of the sack of Marine. Danny is basically sitting in judgment on various claimants. Uh, the, they have like the former nobles or masters coming in. They got free men and former slaves, and she kind of makes various rulings there. That's the bulk of the chapter. She also starts off the, the chapter with again another kind of justice-related thing because uh, a, a uh, unsullied has been murdered in the streets and. Um, they have this kind of guerrilla warfare going on with the the sons of the harpies, so she's got to figure out how to deal with that problem as well. So she's just basically the uh, the problems of marine dealing with that in this chapter overall, and then and then things go from bad to worse when uh, it turns out that uh, Drogon has uh, killed the child. Like he, they, he, her dragons were killing just sheep up to this point, but he's gone after a child now. Is is it just me, or I feel like every Daenerys chapter ends with? Some with a child dying by the dragon. I, <laughs> I, I feel like the end of this chapter is the only end of a Daenerys chapter I remember. <laughs> you know what it is? It's because this was in the the preview chapter in a, in a Feast for Crows. Correct. For yes. the next book, so we Something had like all that. had this chapter really early and had already analyzed it to death. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of just stuck in everyone's mind. Uh, that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Thank you, Ashley. <laughs> I feel like I owe you money for that therapy session. But if it's the theme of, of Danny, Danny has a lot of problems to deal with, and she makes prob- like I, I, it would be difficult for anyone to handle the situation. It's just, it, in, in this book, she has to struggle with ruling and not just conquering. And the same thing, kind of John as well. He has to struggle with ruling and dealing with all the problems of command. Mm. Yeah, I, I gotta say, George, I, I don't know how he he would solve. Like, I, I look at Danny's problems and I'm just like, oh. <laughs> I guess we all die. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, ruling is hard. Um, I can't help but think in this chapter of uh, it must have been similar for. I mean, every ruler, but like, I, I can't help but think of Robert Baratheon after he came in just wanting to kill and conquer and then all of a sudden he's sitting on the throne and this stuff starts coming in and he's like wait what yeah, no wonder he <laughs> to drink well you, you can do it when it's just one city but beyond that like you really need i'm embarrassed kind of talks about it like counselors or other people to deal with this you can't just have the the king deal with all these problems in the kingdom they could do a specific area or a specific big ones but you got to delegate yeah but who's she going to delegate to that's her problem she doesn't really she doesn't trust anyone yeah. except for like Barristan, and he—he's no ruler. So he's thrust into that position, kind of right after the, at the end, at the end of the book, right? Danny missing. Yeah. Yeah. So he's kind of forced to do that, but uh, wait, we're waiting to see how that goes. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> yeah. So. Uh... I guess starting off at the start, we have the the murder of the unsullied who. They actually could detail that he, he, he looks like he's from Lease or somewhere like that. Like it's kind of reflective of the fact that the slavery here is not racially based. It's just wherever they capture basically. It's from any location. And this, this guy was going to brothel just for the company. Basically, it's just to, to like snuggle or cuddle or whatever. And then he was murdered. Oh, yeah. This swarms my heart. Like even eunuchs need to snuggle. <laughs> yeah. And the, you have this whole guerrilla warfare thing now. Like it's like, how do you? deal with that. That's a serious problem that Danny's struggling with 
what's your, I mean, they, they have like the very bloodthirsty, aggressive group that I think Shavefate suggests, or probably Daria would equivalently if he was there. One person from each of the Master's families and then double it, et cetera, et cetera, that will deal with it, but then that'll Ugh. also cause problems. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, how the hell, how would you resolve that? I mean, none of these problems can be solved quickly. That's the thing, right? I mean, how, how do you solve it now? It's a, if, if there's a surgeon force that is dedicated to doing, like, to fighting indefinitely, it's almost impossible to do it. Although, I think they do mention it, the same kind of problem happened in the, with, like, the Kingswood um, Brotherhood, and and what they did is that you have to win most of the general population to your side, and they'll, they'll stop sheltering these people. So you have to do whatever it takes to win, to win the general population, whatever it is, to deal with their grievances, although that's very difficult for Danny to deal with overall, but if you win the general population at some point, the mm. guerrilla warfare will, will fail, because they won't have anywhere to hide. Yeah. yeah, but the general population in Danny's case are both at each other's necks. Yes. This problem of Marine is not something that, that can be solved like in a short period of time. Like This is this is like a generational problem. It's going to take a full generation to get over And even that is not... They, they need like a, recon- a truth and reconciliation meeting or something. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, like it, it basically, like both sides have to essentially say like we're starting a new path and we cannot just keep having this cycle of like because they kind of deal with, like certain things that happened to the sack she, she did do an amnesty for that like otherwise you're just going to you're going to go indefinitely with with all these like who's going to punish whom or who did what like you have to kind of let go and start but that's the most difficult thing like almost no one could get to that point like yeah you know, like like the the one boy whose parents were murdered and raped it's like how how do you tell him the that uh yeah i gave a black blanket immunity for that uh sorry not doing anything about that and it's like yeah there's there's no way to win that person over they're they're they're, that's an enemy for life and she sees that as well she sees that this is a new harp basically well then what is she supposed to do she's supposed to then lock up a guy now because he's basically gonna go do like it's just like it's an extremely difficult situation yeah, I gotta imagine the Targaryens were dealing this in Westeros when they took over, right? They yeah, must right. have. Like with with the kind of the the you know the the faith is militant in particular, right? It took them yeah. like generations to, to deal with that. So did they just uh, win out because they had the the dragons? Well, the, the dragons kept an outright a revolt from happening, but it, it wouldn't have kept like you know guerrilla warfare type stuff. Like that's. They, I, it was a negotiated I piece, I, I think, because they even tried, they tried to, like, just buy, like, have people, like, kill, like, they were paying for people to kill the, the, the militant fate, and that didn't work. I think it, eventually it was just some kind of negotiated piece, I think, right? That's what solved it. They could not win it militarily. And then there's Dorn, where they just didn't win, period. Even yeah, when they yeah. took over, they were just, you know, they, they think there was peace, and, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> all the High Lords are getting killed. Dorn as well. Dorn as well. The it, it took the you know the marriage duty and peace to bring them in. So I guess that's kind of what Danny tries to do with his dar later. I mean his dar's. I don't know if, his, if this is the first we see of his dar. Probably is because uh, why would we why would he have seen him before? They unless he showed up like in his emissary. But anyway, we get a, more info on his dar here. And her marriage to his dar, I guess, was that attempt. I guess to try to have a peace here, right? Yes. And doesn't it work temporarily? The, I think the sons of the harpy stopped for a while. After that point, like after the wedding, they are reined in. Is it legit though? Gosh. But, yeah, I, I thought that was just kind of like biding their time. True, because they they do don't they, don't they make a move at, near the end, right? 
Yeah, but or, the poison, or I thought that was no. The but the, the, the thing with the poison though is interesting because that may have been the shave bait. Like I, I'm very leaning toward the shave pick because even though he's such a strong Danny supporter, he's getting screwed over in that in that post Hisdar situation. So mm. if, if Danny being poisoned, he can be like, oh, Danny's being poisoned, and like make her into a martyr and rally around her, right? Like that actually worked out for the shave pick. That's true. Cool. And what's the with the what's the deal with the shave again? I just read about that, but it, why do you shave? It's it? a very example of like burning the past because like most of the noblemen there have very elaborate hairstyles, and he just shaves his head. He's like, no, I'm gonna start a new thing here, right? So he okay. cuts his eyes. And then uh, Reznak Mo Reznak is also shaved. Well, he's not shaved; he's bald. <laughs> he's actually bald. He's like, my barber's ready. If I ever start growing hair again, I'll have a shave. <laughs> <laughs> I, I find that guy kind of funny. I remember through the book, he's kind of... Just his name is funny. Using, right? Yeah. <laughs> and people, like, I mean, Danny mistrusts Reznak, and I think people uh, initially thought that he might have been the poisoner, but it, I, I think when you look at it, really, Reznak has no reason to poison Danny. Everything's working for him. It's, it's the shave pate that ends up having to poison her because he starts to lose power when, when his dark comes in. Hmm. All right, let's see what else we got in the chapter. We have Baristan as training knights, like he has squires. They're not going to be ready for many years. I thought it was pretty cool that, like, that kind of idea that they're going to train, like, uh, Westerosi-style West knights, like, with that kind of origin background, etc. Yeah, I like that, too. That was pretty neat. Uh, uh, she, go ahead. She talks about all her different, all the different sellsword groups, right? Like, the Second Sons and the, the Storm Crows and everybody going off and sort of trying to open up the, the trade routes and whatnot. There's an incursion from Yunkai, all the different things. So she sent off, uh, sent off her groups. Yeah, that's a problem and as well. I mean, she has food supplies, but they're starting to, they're not infinite. And she's got to get the trade routes going. She's got this whole, like, variety of problems to deal with. Um, but one, one of the things I saw in the chapter is a description of, um, Viserion again, right? Um, it, that he has, I was like, golden eyes, scales of gold. Like, it really, like, just stuck in my head the, the idea of like this whole betrayal for gold thing which I think is still you know it's, it's possibly still the on, dragon still, still out on that yeah it could be related to the dragon somehow someone trying to steal the dragon I don't know if it's Quentin trying to steal it or uh, Euron that takes it or something but I think it's going to be related to this area I think that's what it means for gold hmm interesting so, and they're getting bigger she says she's om- they're almost she's almost able to ride them Sounds like. Well, certainly by the end, uh, Drogon is is right up. I mean, she rides him, and, he, and he's powerful and, and large. So they are going quite quickly. Yeah. Well, they're eating a lot of sheep, right? They are. They are eating a lot of that. They have a lot of appetites. Sheep and shepherds and everything. <laughs> Isn't there a guy like? Wasn't there like? Remember the um, the, when you know, when the dragons got killed in Dragon Pit? There was some guy called like the Shepherd, and he was pissed off at the dragons. Do you remember that? Like, I, I think he wanted to kill them. No, I don't remember that. <laughs> I think, I think <laughs> the same problem, I guess, happened back then. But uh, okay, so we have covered Viserion and the gold. Is there anything else of interest other than that? Kind of just, as you said, at the end, the end sticks in your mind, and it did because this chapter was out before. Yeah. They um, want to they open the fighting pits again. Oh, true. Yeah, that's right. That's what Hisar is trying to argue for. Danny gets the whole argument, but. Is resistant at this point. She does that. She does open it later. Yeah. They, they they seem to have a camaraderie too there, a bit of one. 
Yeah, she's she's. I mean, she yeah, even finds him a bit handsome, or, or would be like if he redid, redid his hair. Like she's, she could tolerate him, and she does tolerate him later, right? That's the, that's why she marries him. His dog. Yes, yeah, so you get you just get a, a general idea of all the problems of Marine. You get a little bit more about like the players involved, the different families, and even the Green Grace, uh, who was like a religious leader. Um, I think I had read somewhere, although I don't remember the details, somebody had the idea that the Green Grace actually might be uh, like the Great Harpy or behind the Gorilla stuff. Well, I mean, she's, although she's complete opposite here, like she's trying to keep the peace. So I don't know if they actually had evidence for that or was just trying to be like, oh, that would be, what a twist if it was really. Yeah, I think that's a pretty popular theory that she's got something to do with it. She's certainly like there's the argument that maybe she had influence in stopping them when when his daughter was married in. They're like okay, they no longer needed them, but was that because she was controlling them from the start? That that would be pretty high level, you know, deception there. So I don't know. Could be. I I don't remember the full argument for it. I don't know if there was like it is popular theory, but I don't know if there's a good line of evidence for it or if it's just like whoa, what a twist that would be. So I can't judge it at this point, but just she is mentioned in detail a bit here. In the chapter, I think it's just suspicious how quickly she uh, seemed to side with Danny. Like, that. well, well, her goals are good though, right? She, she, like, she wants to preserve as much culture as she can. She's trying to get Danny to do that as well, and you know, potentially marry somebody. Like, so if she's doing that, why is she also then all of a sudden this warfare thing? It's kind mm-hmm. of contradictory, but. I like uh, I want to one of the spinoff shows I want is uh, Detective Unsullied. <laughs> yeah, she sends him off, figure out this mystery, and they're like, mm, he's gonna make a poor detective. <laughs> I just want Clueless Unsullied. Like, what do we do? <laughs> Trying to solve mysteries, bumbling around Let's like a question the locals, gadget. and they just kind of like yell at them, and then the locals just like leave. Yep. <laughs> And then they cuddle, and then they, like, sp- spoon and stuff. <laughs> I want it. I want it. Give it to me. That's that's the that's the spinoff I want. Um, yeah, so anything else that stuck out in this one? <clears throat> nope, not on my end. All right. Well, then, let's move on to the next chapter, which is, let's see, we're bound to Feast for Crows. And we are on chapter five, which is the first Brienne chapter. And, uh, I mean, you want to give us a rundown on this one again? Sure, I can do that. This is Brienne going around asking everyone, have you seen Sansa? Although not, not by name, by description. Um, which is actually one of the, like, there's certain various, like, lines that, or, or, uh, that keep coming up in Feast for Crows. This is one of it, or lines of action. And Brienne always just asking everyone, hey, have you seen Sansa? by <laughs> description and then she meets a couple of hedge knights that she initially distrusts but they seem to be decent guys uh, travels with, with them a bit She meet, and then there's a bunch of cameos in this chapter actually, there's uh, Podrick which is at the start, I didn't quite notice that I saw that in the, in the Tower of the Hand thing, the Podrick comes through briefly um, there is the Mad Mouse which is obvious he, he gets introduced in detail and there's also the high, the new High Septon, the, the, the High Sparrow who will get elected in later. He's also here. So there's quite a few different characters being introduced here, but we overall just get some more backstory into Brienne, more information about Brienne's backstory, her growing up, her interaction with Renly, like how she views the world. And um, 
Yeah, a good, a good chapter, I think. It's uh, it's interesting to go from this bottle chapter where it's just Daenerys sitting in her, basically sitting in the throne room most of the time, delegating, and then Brienne's like on the open road. It's this interesting mm-hmm. juxtaposition between the two. Yeah, uh, I I like. You know, like Feast for Crows is kind of the one where you really see the common folk. And this is, you know, her being suspicious of hedge knights at first and then, you know, finding out that, yeah, these guys are just dudes. (laughs) Dudes being bros. (laughs) (laughs) I get terrified at that moment when she's she's sitting down and they're taking watch and she falls asleep and everything. I'm like, oh, my God, she's going to wake up. What's going to happen? Oh, no. Hmm. Like, that's so scary to well, me. Well, that's why I thought she really needs somebody she can trust, like Podrick, around that they can alternate shifts, right? She, going on her own is difficult. You need somebody trustworthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she's a loner. <laughs> yeah, but, but then it's also emphasized by that that there were people passing in the night that uh, one of the watch guys saw. And whether or not he was telling the truth that he scared them off is questionable. <laughs> well, I, I don't even know if, they, if I trust the numbers there, but I do accept, yes, there must have been some people coming by. Yeah. That makes sense. Like, he just exaggerated hugely. <laughs> <laughs> no, guys don't do that. Well, but, uh, and Brienne notes, uh, like, Hedge Knights and Robert Knights are just two sides of the same sword. Like, it's, it's a thin line leading there. So she's wise to be wary, but... These guys turn out to be pretty good, and they offer the food. The trout is, seems a lot more appetizing than the squirrel to have for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of meat on that squirrel. Num, num, num. There's talk of broken men and, and various you know, robber knights, etc. Some of those broken men, men actually be, might be Northmen that were left over from the Battle of Duskendale. who went running out to the wild. That's possible. And we see uh, sparrows, and can kind of see how militant they're kind of leaning when uh, yeah. th- when they refuse to join them. The one one of them seemed ready to fight them over yeah. it. Not just militant, like fanatic. Like they have, yeah. they got they carved in the star, like the five pointed star, which is that hasn't happened for a hundred years. I don't think people were doing that for <laughs> until this uh, new order got going again. So they're quite into it. That's terrifying. <laughs> yep. Cersei and all her wisdom. Cersei arms them, or allows them to be armed anyway. That was a huge, huge mistake. So what was it? Before Cersei allowed that, um, again, it was if a religious person that was ever carrying like a weapon, they'd be thrown in jail? Or No, I, I think they, I mean, they, they, even they have weapons that? here. They even have weapons here. It would be hard to trace that, but they couldn't like actively like recruit a large military force or like really actively brandish that like yeah yeah the, the, the church couldn't have an army of their own yeah. like they couldn't keep their own garrison or whatever hmm. yeah so you, get, you got a bit of that the highest pharaoh's character here kind of he, he's he kind of reigns in his people like he's got a little bit of wisdom or control there at least he's a little more level-headed than the rest of the factor hmm. i can't not think of jonathan price now <laughs> I thought that was good casting, but uh, yeah, interesting. Now, one of the the main appearances is uh, Sir Shadrick, the Mad Mouch. Like he's uh, pretty important. Like, and you get quite a bit, quite a bit of detail. Like when I saw him, I'm like, yeah, he's the guy who shows up later in the Eerie, and, and, and this chapter really spells out like he's looking for Sansa. He knows how, what she looks like. So he knows all the details. And, yeah, remind yeah. me who he is. He's just a hedge knight, but he's hunting for Sansa under Varys. Yeah, he's under Varys' employee, and and it makes you wonder: Does Littlefinger know that? 
He shows up. He shows up. Like Littlefinger hires him, like amongst many other people that he hires. He's just like a random head knight in the service up there. But I don't think Littlefinger knows that that he's looking for Sansa. Like that's one thing that he doesn't know. Hmm. So that could be dangerous for Sansa potentially. Yeah, and he came across as not dumb. Yeah. Which is the other big thing. Yeah, he he he, he would know how to bide his time. Like he wouldn't just make a move and make a mistake. Like he probably would wait if he's gonna. I don't know if he's going to just inform Varys and be paid and see what happens, or is he going to try to like kidnap Sansa or do something like that? That'll be interesting. I mean, maybe if he just informs it, then Varys will know where Sansa is. But is he is he actually going to take some kind of action? Interesting. So I mean, Littlefinger, with all like his wisdom and with all like the pieces he controls, he cannot control everything. So you have like this wild card there. So that's what people find interesting about this character that is there, and Littlefinger likely does not know that. Yeah. Uh, I want the next book. I need more Sansa <laughs> chapters. There, there weren't enough in dance. The key of Ice and Fire says the Mad Mouse is in Winds of Winter. He must have been in a early oh, chapter. Yeah, yeah he's got to be. Well, he's very recognizable, right? So even if they don't mention him specifically, they say like some like red-headed or the orange-headed guy in the background, short guy. Mm-hmm. And his name is Shadrich? Yeah. The Mad okay. Mouse. Don't trust that name. <laughs> <laughs> he's just upset. <laughs> I like we get some uh, history of uh, L- Lawston, the black bat on uh, Brienne's shield. Um, I always like I always like the old history lineage thing. Lucas Lawston was known for his dark deeds. Manfred the Black Hood of the Black Hood. I always like that stuff. Yeah, generally just uh, a bit of as, as you said, we we see the bit of the common folk in this chapter. You sometimes forget, or at least I do, like that most people are quite religious in this world. And, like, you know, like, when she was willing to do the oath, and they're like, okay, yeah, like, uh, like uh, Brienne gave an oath that she didn't kill Renly, and then they kind of accepted that, the gods accepted that. Brienne herself raised the throne and stuff at mm. times there. Like, it's just part of life there at a deep level for many of the characters. And you don't, maybe you forget, because many of the nobles are not so religious, they either or, or secular, or just not as devoted as most of the common population. And I wouldn't even say most, because there's plenty that are religious. Ed is religious, Caitlin is. It's just something maybe you don't notice as much until you see the chapter that shows more of the common people. Mm-hmm. So eventually, uh, they'll go in for the night, and uh, Brienne sneaks out and takes off. <laughs> <laughs> like, no thanks, I'm good. Yeah, she didn't want to be slowed by them, and also, I mean, Shadridge is now competing, looking for Sansa, so she doesn't want to be Around him. Wants to get out ahead of him, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. He fought for Stannis in the Blackwater, the Mad Mouse, and he spent all his coin ransoming himself, so he, he definitely needs some more money now. <laughs> <laughs> He's on the hunt. Oh, and Brienne uh, has a Oath uh, Keeper, right? Like the Valyrian store, uh, yeah. Swords, and she kind of looks at that and is happy to have it. She has a Valyrian steel blade, she's got tons of money. <laughs> she got like that that, that uh and a nice note. horse don't say like you, you, anyone who's loyal to Tommen should aid her or whatever well that oh, doesn't yep. help her later when she gets captured but <laughs> oh man interesting well there we go the journey continues <laughs> I like I like this kind of uh, jumping between the two books like I think this these two chapters for example work well together like just jumping from one side of Otherwise, you wouldn't. You would read. They wouldn't be connected. I mean, I guess temporally, there's no, there's no real connection there. But I just kind of liked it. I, I like this jump to Dance of Dragons and back to Feast for Crows. Yeah, 
It's nice. It kind of slaps you back to the world because because we really don't when Dance with Dragons, we really don't know Essos and all that like too well. We're we're still learning about it, so it's nice to kind of like jump back to something a little bit more familiar, and then jump to something new and uh, interesting. Westeros also has its problems. Not like the war has made just even the roads super dangerous now. It wasn't like that before the War of the Five Kings. So it's this kind of interesting contrast in the problems here. Mm. It's not in great shape. Great <laughs> shape. Well, all right. That concludes our read for the day, huh? Mm. Speaking of plagues and stuff, I gotta imagine is uh, what would they do back in the Westeros time? Uh, there's gotta be diseases and stuff running rampant all over the place. You're right. Uh, die at 30, I think is the common practice. <laughs> well, sometimes, sometimes they're able to close the cities, like close off various cities when that happens or, or prevent the ships from coming in, in or out. I think they, they do that a couple times. It's mentioned at various times, but you're right. Like the, A lot of people die. Like That's the thing after the the first Hedge Knight story, right? By the time the second story, like a bunch of people had died, even a bunch of the royalty had died to disease, right? There's a plague. You got Grayscale coming in as well, potentially. Oh, yeah, shit. that's going to be interesting. John Connington. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All right, well, on that uh, upper note right there, thank you all so much for listening to this episode of A Podcast of Ice and Fire. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook at APOIAF. And I believe the forums are back up and running, right, I mean? Yep, they're back up. Thanks to Mr. Corb for helping us out and helping get them back to working again. Thank you. Um, yeah, so follow along. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. See you next time. Thanks. I know, I was reading the Tower Tower of the Hand one, and I was like, oh man, this is a long chapter. And then I, and then I flipped to the pages, and I was like, oh, it's not that long. This is actually our first record of the year, technically, right? Because we did the last one in December, so. Really? Yeah. Time. Oh my god, it's been that long? It's been crazy. Well, it, yeah. Holy jeez. It seems all the same when you're inside all the time, right? Like, it just kind of... Yeah. <laughs> time all kind of... Together, <laughs> the whole, the whole room, past year kind of uh, goes. Into, it was, there was no proper summer. I don't. I don't count the last summer as a proper summer. Maybe this one will be. Yeah, I haven't had a suntan in over a year because I didn't go out at all last year. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna. Uh, the, what I'm gonna look forward to is the sun. That's what I'm looking forward to. This oh, actually, year. I'll make an announcement here. I guess maybe I'll move this back to. Yeah, just before we end the episode. Um, just one, one, one bit of news here, actually. Ice and FireCon is going online this year. And, oh. uh, so I think it's this weekend, right, Ashley? Uh, yeah, this coming yeah. weekend. And on YouTube, you'll be able to see the various panels. And I actually, uh, did a panel with, uh, Duncan Valkyrist from, uh, Vassals of Kingsgrave where we discussed, uh, George R. R. Martin's other works, his previous science fiction and uh, fantasy and horror works. So that'll be released, I think, on Saturday. But anyway, this weekend will be released. Uh, I'll be doing uh, the Good Morning Westeros at 10 godly a.m. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's on the Friday, but I have to double check. Wait, are you complaining about having to wake up at 10 a.m.? 
Well, I have to be ready at 10 a.m. Do you see how long it took me to get the computer set up for the <laughs> Well, you're doing it live, right? I, I've already recorded it. Yeah. yeah, yours is pre-recorded. This isn't. <laughs> That's awesome. So where could I go to check that out? Um, the Ice and Fire Con YouTube page. I don't know the address right off my head, but I know Ice and Fire Con would bring it up. Or the Facebook page has all the links uh, for Ice Put and Fire Con. Ice and on Facebook, I think, yeah, no from there because it even has the panel description and when does it when does it start okay so thursday at 8 p.m uh eastern is uh, the small council um panel i guess that's just talking about ice and fire con in general thursday that's today next thursday oh okay next thursday yeah sorry yeah so the april 22nd is when it starts yeah so it is actually a week from now and then friday there's some panels during the day from 12 to the evening, Saturday from 10 onwards. My panel, I think, is not listed in here, so it would be the because I filled in this gap. I think I get oh, nope. It's it's Saturday at 3 p.m. Actually, there you go. Saturday at 3 p.m. is my panel. Saturday, April 24th. Okay. okay. So starting on April Thursday, April 22nd, I should make sure I check out the Ice and Fire Con Facebook page for the times of all the panels, both live and pre-recorded, starting on Thursday the 22nd. And those all go throughout the days until Sunday the 25th? That's right. And I'll put up a, a link to the Facebook page when I put this episode before that weekend. So come to the site awesome. if you need to get the link. That's, that's exciting. Fun. Yeah, exactly. Like If it's not going to be in person, at least we got the online thing. I think it's, it's good to do that. And hopefully next year all these conventions will be back in, in person. I mean, yeah. please tell me you're going to play Game of Thrones live on t- <laughs> Tabletop Simulator, right? Uh, not that weekend, I don't think so, but uh, that is a possibility at some point. But I actually have the put, Game of Thrones. Or you'll put a camera above your board and you'll play every house? <laughs> I actually think if I ever recorded uh, a game of playing board, the board game, it would be fun. I mean, some people do that. I think it would be, be popular. I just haven't played during the pandemic, right? Like, you got to play it online. I have the, the game. The Steam version it has the the, the basic six player game, which is fun. But uh, so many did I ever tell you? Yeah. Did I, did I ever tell you I played that against a guy who was on Survivor? No. Was it just the basic the basic six player game? You played. Yep. And he kicked our asses. <laughs> <laughs> kicked our asses. Do you remember what house he was playing? He was. I think he was Baratheon. Okay, that's still pretty good. Baratheon is a good house, but not like overpowering. So definitely good enough <laughs> in the sixth player. In the fifth, yeah. five player is pretty powerful. But there we go. Um, cool, awesome, Ashley. I uh, that sounds awesome. Thanks for letting us know. <laughs> or thank you for letting us know, since I didn't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thought I'd bring that up, but yeah. Okay, so back to the after show. I guess we're done. I got I got to head out to you anyway. But yeah, perfect. All right, awesome. see you guys. That was fun. Thanks, guys. Good to chat with you for a little bit. Yep. Mm-hmm. Good to hear everyone again. Yeah. And hopefully next time we'll be out and about and virus-free-ish. Oh, man. Yeah. We all got to go to the next Comic-Con that <laughs> actually happens. And I, I, I want to do that. If, if, assuming it's 2022, which I think is a good chance. Like I do want to attend that Comic-Con, and I want, as I said, we can do another panel. At least get our eyes on fire panel. But if we can do something else... Well, the first shot, I yeah. I just got I got to wait a month before the next one. Yeah, I'm uh coming up on my second one next week, so I'll be able to explore the countryside of Westeros after this. <laughs>
meet up with, with people. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Um, <laughs> who knows what's going to happen? All right, guys. Well, all I'll right. Talk to y'all later. Mimi can meet all Ashley. Right. That's what we'll do. That. That's yeah. the yes. We need all of you. <laughs> all Maybe right. It'll see be ya. a new uh, <laughs> series out. <laughs> all right, guys. Have a good one. Right. Be Have safe. It.